Welcome, friends. This is Spark My Muse, and I'm your host, Lisa DeLay. This is Soul School Lesson 221, Prayers of the East. Before I begin, I want to give you a little bit of an update. For March 2022, I will be traveling quite a bit. And for anyone who's financially supporting me on Substack, sparkmymuse.substack.com or Patreon, dot com forward slash spark my muse i will be updating with photos and details and probably publicly i won't be talking about what i'm doing all that much at this point in my life i feel like i'm turning into a more private person and i am limiting the scope of information to certain aspects of my life to only more of an inner circle i'm so glad you're joining me for the podcast today Today I bring you a book by Fortress Press, edited by Richard Marsh, and it's called Prayers from the East, Traditions of Eastern Christianity. Something to note about Eastern Christianity, which I feature quite a bit in my book, The Wild Land Within, is Eastern Christianity is a tradition of Christianity that is considered the oldest. For instance, Coptic Christians are Egyptian Christians that trace back their founding and their ancestry to the Apostle Mark in the 60s AD, or Christian era. And because they trace themselves that far back into the apostolic period, it really is important that we go back and understand these traditions of ancient Christianity that are in many ways remote from our own, culturally speaking and traditionally speaking. They are not modern in their sensibilities and conventions, and that's good for us to stretch our minds and understand how Eastern Christianity and its origins are. In the back matter of the book, it reads, this short anthology offers new insight into ancient forms of Christianity still little understood in the West. It introduces and displays the rich diversity of Eastern Orthodox churches, Egyptian Copts, Armenians, Syrians, Indian Malankara, Ethiopian, and Eritrean through their distinctive traditions of prayer and worship. It provides a survey of the history and theology of the Eastern Orthodox traditions, as well as an anthology of their prayers, quote, with unceasing lips and unsilent heart, which is credited to St. Cyril. These prayers attest to the rich abundance of Eastern engagement with the divine. The editor Richard March is a canon at Canterbury Cathedral and a director of its International Studies Center. He has traveled extensively in the East and has written Black Angels, The Art and Spirituality of Ethiopia, and contributed to Ink and Spirit at Canterbury Press. On page two, the editor of this book describes a little bit about the Orthodox or Eastern churches. I will read this to you to give a sense of context for the prayers that I'm going to be reading. Richard Marsh writes, I begin with a problem not of my own making. It is the problem of the official term ancient and oriental orthodox churches, or more usually these days, oriental orthodox churches. When I first came across it, I was not sure that it worked as a term, and I am not sure if it doesn't work now. More importantly, I know that many members of the churches covered by this cumbersome name find it both baffling and sometimes offensive, and they have a point. Describing something as oriental makes a presumption about who is doing the describing and from where they are doing it. 
Oriental Orthodox is a label bestowed by the Western Church, something which has conveniently stuck rather than something which really describes this family of churches. Does it matter? It's not for me, a Western Christian, to make that sort of judgment. But there is a perfectly reasonable principle that out of respect, you call people what they want to be called. For the moment, I'm afraid that we'll have to stay with this description, acknowledging its inadequacy and passing on swiftly to naming and describing the churches themselves. The six churches I'm referring to are rooted in the tradition of Eastern Christianity. These are independent national churches, each with its own sorts of distinctiveness and traditions and praxis. But they are in communion with each other. That is, they have that intimacy of relationship whereby members of one of these churches can share the Eucharist at the other's altars. They are not in communion with the rest of the Orthodox churches, for example, the Russian Orthodox Church and the Church of Greece, which may be more familiar to Western Christians. This is because historically these churches rejected the definition of the person of Christ that was agreed at the Council of Chalcedon, a suburb of Constantinople in 451 CE. The Chalcedonian definition argues that Christ had two natures, human and divine, which were undivided and unconfused in his person. Those rejecting the definition erred on the side of the formula of St. Cyril of Alexandria, who spoke of the, quote, the one incarnate nature of the word of God, speaking of Jesus. Sometimes the churches which rejected the Chalcedonian solution have unfairly been caricatured as monophysite, that is, believing that Christ had only one nature. Today, few would seriously accuse these churches of heresy, and it is agreed that differences, if there be any, are of semantic nature rather than reflecting a real difference of opinion. Each of these churches traces its origin back to the apostolic times and persons, and not in an antiquarian or abstract way, but as a guarantor of the authenticity and of its articulation of the faith. The faith that they proclaim and explore now is that which was delivered to them in the beginning, but these are also very much communities for today. Many of them have suffered persecution, and some continue to do so. Many are facing the huge challenges of modernity, but all represent a rich seam of Christian witness for which we should give thanks. The country of Armenia is a country that considers itself the first Christian nation, and their venerated founder is St. Gregory the Illuminator. I will be reading his prayer a prayer for times of trouble that is on page 10. This prayer of his reflects the tumultuous times in which he lived. It can be argued that Armenians have always lived in difficult and tumultuous times. Within the last century, 1.5 million Armenians were killed in the genocide and millions more exiled from their native land so that there are now many more Armenians living outside their native land than in it. These people have a remarkable, humbling resilience, and the role of their faith in maintaining that is significant, writes Richard Marsh. In this prayer, Gregory draws on rich biblical imagery, which he adapts to his own purposes. There are allusions to scripture, echoes that send the mind looking for connections, 
yet Gregory has a strong and unique authorial voice. This is the prayer of a man of faith and authority. I was particularly drawn to this prayer because of our troubled times. I'm thinking of Europe in a kind of collapse as the Ukraine is crushed and invaded by Russian troops and the despotic ruler Putin. And my heart goes out to the people of that region and also the people of Europe who will be under the strain of this war, as well as the many people around the globe who will be strained and starving because of the fallout and the consequences of this struggle. And the prayer goes like this, a prayer for times of trouble. Blessed is your love for mankind, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why do you forsake me? You alone are without sin, and your name shows kindness and love for mankind. Show me compassion, for you alone love mankind. Save me, who have fallen into sin, for you alone are without sin. Remove me from the mire of my iniquity, for I am submerged forever and ever. Save me from my enemies, for like a lion they growl and roar, seeking to swallow me up. Now, my Lord, flash your lightning and destroy their power. May they fear you and be cut off from the light of your face since they cannot stand in your presence, Lord, nor in the presence of those who love you. Whoever calls on you sees the power of the sign of your cross, Lord, and trembles and shies away from it. Now, Lord, save and keep me, for I have put my trust in you. Liberate me from my trouble, so that the malicious one will not cast me into oblivion, for he battles against me in his insidious ways. Even over secrets you have dominion, Lord, and you search the hearts and the innermost being. Purify my heart and my thoughts of all lewd and vile thoughts, so that I will not be lost into eternal perdition. Have mercy on me, God, who have power over all, and grant the grace of tears to my sinful soul, so that I may wash away the multitude of my sins, so that I may be saved from the hand of merciless angels, who cast not innocent ones into the fire of hell. I should weep continually praying to you, God, that I might not be found unworthy at the hour when you will come, lest I hear that awful voice, Begone, servant of evil. I do not know where you are from. Exalted God, the only sinless one, grant me, this sinner, your abundant compassion on that day so that my secret wickedness will not be revealed in the sight of the angels and archangels, the prophets, the apostles, and all the righteous. But save me, this wicked one, by the grace of your mercy. Receive me into paradise, with the perfectly just. Receive the prayers of this, your sinful servant, by the intercession of the saints who are pleasing to you. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory to you with the Father, and the Holy Spirit, unto the ages of ages. Amen. What we can see in this prayer for times of trouble is a kind of reaching out to God and an acknowledgement of our sinfulness and a plea for mercy. This is a short one that's an Arminian prayer of guidance. And I found this one short and sweet and comforting as well. It's on page 9. 
Guide us, O Lord our God, and teach us to walk in thy paths of righteousness. Keep our lives in peace and our ways pleasing in thy sight. Guide thy servants on their earthly and heavenly course, along thy paths of purity, unto thine only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who became our Prince of life and the hope of our salvation, with whom thou art blessed, O Father Almighty, together through thy life-giving and liberating Holy Spirit, now and forever, world without end. Amen. And finally, I will read one last prayer, written by Hovanus Gernatzi. I might not be saying that right, but I hope I am. Hovanus was born in Garni, a town not far from the modern Armenian capital of Yerevan. He spent some of his early years in the famously beautiful monastery of Gerard. He had much fame as an evangelist and traveled fervently in Armenia and to the Holy Land. This prayer reflects rather elegantly on journeys throughout the Bible, summing them up in the journey made by Christ to Emmaus. In this context, the journey that leads to the believer embracing the mystery of the resurrection is the journey of us all. In some respects, this little prayer is a spiritual journey itself. As I leave you with this prayer, I ask that you would also pray for me and my journeying. In some ways, I feel like I'm on the tail end of the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about. I don't know where the journey will take me or where it will end, but I know that it is in God's hands, and I'm very thankful that I've been able to have it. A prayer for traveling. Leader to life, path to truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you led Joseph to Egypt and the people of Israel through the Red Sea and Moses to Mount Sinai and his people to the land of promise. And you traveled with Cleopas and his companion to Emmaus. Now I pray you, Lord, lead my companions and me to travel in peace on the journey before us. Save us from the visible and invisible enemy and lead us safely to the place we are headed. For you are our way and our truth and our life. Glory and worship to you now and always and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I invite you to go to sparkmymuse.com and get more information on the links to follow along as I'm journeying and to listen to more of Spark My Muse and the other episodes. Additionally, I will be leading Sunday sessions at 7 p.m. For my, for my book, The Wild Land Within. You can find a way to sign up for that at tiny.cc forward slash WLW. Those last three letters are capitalized WLW. I also thank you for sharing this episode with somebody else. God bless you.